This is the Game Changers Experience. Deep dive conversations with leading business disruptors, Olympic athletes, celebrities, entrepreneurs, and influencers from around the world. This show will teach you insights about the winning principles in mindset, productivity, marketing, branding, entrepreneurship, business strategy, and more. Hosted by Productivity Authority, business strategist, former elite athlete, author, and public speaker, Adam Strong. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Game Changers Experience with myself, Adam Strong. And today we have a, an amazing, fun-packed show with an amazing guy that I've been following for quite a number of months, um, who was actually introduced uh, from uh, through a friend of our, through a friend of mine that I actually uh, met probably about six months ago. I've been following for quite a number of years. He is a multi New York Times bestselling author uh, with the All In, uh, the Carrot Principle, and. Uh, I believe it's uh, your win team team wins. I believe it's something like that. Uh, he's been voted or has been uh, quoted by Larry King of CNN as the uh, must read in terms of his books. He has uh, also been voted in Fortune magazine as probably the number three leadership authorities in in the world and also the number nine organizational development uh, gurus in the world. So I am super excited about today's show. Uh, so I just want a big warm welcome to Mr. Adrian Gustick. Thanks, Adam. Thanks for having me on the show. I really uh, appreciate it. I, I'm really looking forward to today because we'll talk about your business partner and your good friend uh, a little bit later on, actually, if, if that's okay. Um, but I, I wanted to start off because, you know, I know that, you know, then the world of, I guess, gratitude, right? It's a really interesting subject. It fascinates me because I actually studied, well, I studied a, a degree which did a lot of stuff on psychology. And we talked a lot about, you know, what is it, what do we do to motivate people, you know, and it, and it wasn't money. And that's a really fascinating concept. Um, but what was, how did you get into the whole kind of leadership arena and, and organizational development? Well, thanks, Adam. Yeah, for the last 20 years or so, my, as you mentioned, my, my co-author, Chester Elton, and I, we've been working with organizations. We started out in the research business. We started out consulting, working with organizations, um, and really give them ideas on employee engagement. You know, there's, there's this theory out there that you can't motivate people. People are either motivated or they're not. And we actually find out that's not entirely true. Most of, yeah, there's a lot of people who are intrinsically driven. They're going to do a good job for you no matter what. Uh, and yet what we find is if those people don't feel valued by your organization, they don't feel, you know, that you're grateful for their unique contribution or even know what their unique contribution are, well, there's a very good chance they're going to leave you. And so we began our, our work years ago looking at this idea of recognition. And that's evolved over time to realize it's not just about thanking people. It's about gratitude, which is about actually seeing the behaviors that are making your organization better, and then being grateful in ways that are really meaningful to that person. So it's, it changes the thinking. And now we've, we've surveyed with research partners more than a million people, working adults around the world, to find out really what does drive people on the job. I find it really fascinating, human psychology. I mean, I've studied it for, for many, many years. And I, I mean, I know that money doesn't motivate people. Is that correct? Well, that's a big, broad statement. That, uh, and so we'll, we'll get a good debate here because, you know, what we found in our research, we've identified 23 human motivators. 
Okay. And they range in the world, everything from creativity to, to ownership. And what the problem is, sometimes psychologists will come out and say, everybody's motivated by interesting work. That's the most, or everybody's motivated by autonomy. Dan, Dan Pink wrote the book uh, Drive, where he said, autonomy is the biggest driver of human behavior. Right. So what they're doing is they're taking all these people and they're saying 60% of people are motivated by autonomy. So that's the number one driver. So everybody is, and that's not true. What we found is actually around 10% of the human population is motivated by money. So you can't make this broad brush statement that nobody is. However, you have another 90% of people where it's not a top motivator. What we find ideas like in making an impact, uh, learning on the job, and my family are a lot more important than money for most people. But then again, there are certain people where money is a strong motivator. And sometimes we have this idea that Oh, if money's a motivator, then you're just this heartless jerk. All you're about is, and actually what we find is it's actually really easy to work with those kinds of people because you know exactly what it takes to get them to, to do their hardest work. You know, they make some great salespeople, they make great uh, employees if the compensation is right. Mm. And so that's what we found the nuances in our work and motivation is the odds of you and I, Adam, having the same top five of those 23 motivators in common is all is a million of one. We're mm. all very different. We have, you know, we're all kind of have our unique snowflake-like uh, things that drive us. And unfortunately, too many books, too many experts say these are the five things that motivate people. Three mm. things, and it's just not right. Interesting. Do you feel that? Um, it, and this is a really interesting question from my perspective. Do you feel that the word? gratitude when we think of the word gratitude do you think it's really underused in the workplace whether it be a large organization or even if you're running a small team that's a good question too that really is where we began the work on on our book leading with gratitude we were sitting one day with our good friend marshall goldsmith who uh you know wrote the book what got you here won't get you there and marshall uh, and we were talking about you know the characteristics of those leaders we end up working with because as executive coaches Sometimes people think, oh, you must work with some really terrible leaders. And no, we never get called in on those people. Those people typically just get fired. <laughs> we typically get brought in with a leader who's doing really well and wants to make the next leap to maybe an executive level, or maybe they're a high potential leader that we want to make, you know, get to a director mm -hmm. level that they're going to have a big team. That's typically who we work with. So they're good people who want to get better as leaders. And what we inevitably find is they're so focused on driving their deliverables. They're so focused on hitting their goals and so wrapped up in their own worlds that they're not thinking about the team. And as you move to the next level in business, you've got to worry more about your people because they're going to deliver much more than you could alone. And so what we found, we, 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 as we were sitting around, we said, isn't it interesting that of all the leaders we've worked with and been asked to take them to the next level, that typically gratitude is not something they're good at. They all know it's important. They all know they should be, you know, identifying those great behaviors, valuing their people, making sure they feel valued and want to stay with their team. And yet in nine times out of 10, they either weren't doing it or were doing it poorly, doing it wrong or not doing it frequently enough. And so that's what began this journey. We said, and that's sort of the first third of the book is the gratitude myths. What holds us back? from being more grateful to our people. Fascinating. Really, really fascinating. What, I know that 
with regards to because you've been in the, you've been doing this for like twenty years, which is a long period of time. Was there any um, was there a mentor that you had, or was there someone that you looked up to that kind of drawn you into this industry that you thought, you know what, I really feel like I need to carry this person's work on? Yeah, it's a, it's a good question. We began this back in 1999 in a book uh, called First Break All the Rules, right, by Gallup. Marcus Buckingham had just come out. And, and one of the Gallup 12 was that people felt praised and recognized about every seven days. And we said, well, isn't that interesting? It's one of the 12. And even back then, we knew that most leaders didn't really know how to do that. Um, the book said, look, you got to be doing this. But it gave actually no, no indication of how you do it. And so that's really where we came into this process. We said, okay, so what's the, where's the Bible of recognizing and rewarding people? And our first book came out in the year 2000, so now 20 years ago, that said, okay, here's a step-by-step manual of how you recognize your people. We then began a lot of, we began working with organizations on building, you know, recognition systems. And the next step became, how do you engage your people? Because they said, well, recognition is just part. Now we want to get all of our people engaged. What else do we have to add on there? So we added more. We wrote a book called The Care Principle, which is about not only recognition, but also how you build trust and hold people accountable and, 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 and create this great in culture and environment, which then led us to our book called All In, which is about creating great cultures. And so it's been iterative. Each part of our work has, has sort of dug another line in the, or another furrow in the garden to help us understand really how you lead in this new modern world. I find that really fascinating. I know that <laughs> I wanted to ask you something, which is really, I suppose, more than anything else. I mean, we're going through some really challenging times right now, you know, economically and um, whether it be a pandemic, whether it be the recession or whatever it might be. Um, but my question is, is I guess the biggest worry for a lot of employees right now, even if you're part of a a big corporation or a small team is job security. That's probably what they're worried about right now. Yeah. Absolutely. But what can, what can leaders do right now? Okay. Which will help give people peace of mind, which will help them maybe to be more confident or to be more motivated. Or do you think that actually job security is the, is if they don't sort the job security thing out, that there's no basis for foundation. I mean, I'd love to know what your thoughts are on that. I think you're dead on, Adam. The you know whether whether you're in Stockholm, whether you're in you know Rio de Janeiro, whether you're in Peoria in the U.S., um, the number one thought on just about every employee's mind right now is job security. Uh, what we're worrying about is, and if you, and I think your your question is good. If you can't address that now, of course. Many people listening will be, maybe I run a small business. I, I, you know, I can't promise anybody continuing employment. Maybe I'm a mid-level manager of a bigger organization. I can't promise anybody anything. And of course we can't. Um, life is uncertain and, and employees are smart enough to know that. But what we can do is talk honestly and openly about where we're at. Say, look, these are the challenges facing us right now. Um, revenues are down, uh, you know, these are competitive threats are facing. If you're not willing to have that discussion, anxiety levels are going to go through the roof. Uh, every study I'm reading right now showing that is showing that job security is the number one concern on employees' minds. Mental health issues are through the roof. 
showing in some cases we're finding as many as half of employees are showing clinical levels of depression and anxiety. If you are not thinking more about how to, how to become more empathetic and caring as a manager, you're going to be left behind. Um, this is the new wave and it's not gonna go away. It's not like in six months, we all of a sudden we have a vaccine and we won't need empathy and concern anymore. No, this is the new way to lead. And so, you know, this is really something that's very extreme, very important. It's extremely important to, 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 to be able to talk with our people, to be open and honest and say, here's what I do know, here's what I don't know. Uh, you're gonna know as soon as I, I'm able to share any information. But the other part is to get them involved in helping them save their own jobs. You know, I've seen this over and over again. One of our clients is uh, called Texas Roadhouse. They're here in the US, uh, 600 locations, 70,000 employees. I just read an article this morning that they, are the, they were the number one restaurant in the, uh, in the nation for increasing their revenues during the pandemic. Um, they replicated almost 80% of their revenues and just going to takeout, which had never been more than 5% of their, of their profits. So they had to close all the restaurants. They were just doing takeout. They got up to 80% of their revenues replicated, which is unheard of. Most restaurants are either going out of business. So during the pandemic, they began hiring so um, we're good friends with our, with our CEO, uh, Kent Taylor. And one of the things that Kent talked about was he says, look, you gotta get more, you're going into the dark. You gotta get more input in these dark times than less. So he says, I would start calling my crazies. He says, because you got people who are already doing wacky stuff out there. And the chances are in many cases, they're not even telling you the boss, right? He says, so start calling those people because they're already doing stuff and learn from them and start spreading it around. And that's what he did. All of a sudden he found out one group was doing a farmer's market outside selling, selling you know, fresh cut steaks and this and the other. So they started doing that system wide. Another group was doing family packs. So they started doing that, you know, putting you know, meats and, and sides and this, that together. They came up with really creative ideas that have saved their business. And, you know, phenomenal success story by getting people involved in those tough times. I mean, it's fascinating. I love, I love hearing success stories. You know, here in Sweden, actually, even though there's kind of a no lockdown type of thing, right? There, um, they, there's a lot of restaurants that have actually done a lot of things that, you know, kind of outside because being outdoors, a bit like in Canada is kind of a way of life, right? Mm. Um, so it's, I guess it's kind of being able to adapt, right? Which, which I think is the important point that you're making really is to be adapting and, and that kind of stuff. So that's good. Um, some great tips there, by the way. Um, in terms of when we think of like world leaders, whether it be a business leader or an entrepreneur or whatever it might be, is there any great leaders that come to mind and what do they do to practice gratitude on a, whether it be in the workplace or whatever it is? What, what, what are some of maybe some of the habits that they do? Yeah. You know, one, and I could come to some world leaders who were very good at this. We actually began the book Leading with Gratitude with a story of, of a fellow named Gary Ridge. He's, a, he's an Australian, and he leads a company called WD-40. And most people think, is that a real company? I mean, that's, that must be just a product from a bigger company. Like, no, it's its own company. Uh, when Gary has been there, he has uh, taken the sales, I think, from around $200 million to over $2 billion. Um, he's seen the market crash cap grow, I think at 15 to 20% a year, phenomenal leader. And he said, he says, you don't get that kind of growth if you don't get the hearts and minds of your people. 
So during the, and we actually, when we wrote the book, there was not even a whiff of the pandemic. So we sent it into our publisher, HarperCollins, and the book came out March 3rd, I think, which you know what happened in March of 2020. And so, but thankfully, the first story was about the last recession, 2008 and 09, when Gary Ridge was going around and he was going around to the system of WD-40 and they have factories around the world. And he says, everywhere I'd go during the last great recession, he says, people would ask me, Gary, are you okay? And he says, I, I kept thinking, do I look sick? Am I looking unhealthy? And he says, I went back to my hotel room, room one night and, and he says, I realized they weren't asking really, am I okay? They were asking, are we okay? And he says, I went back to my executive team and he says, guys, I says, I think we've been doing this wrong. He says, let's not waste a good crisis. He says, everywhere that people will go, they'll think of the, you know, they'll see doom, they'll see gloom. He says, when they come to work with us, let's give them hope. So he says, let's do a few different things. He says, let's up our investment in learning and development because what's the first thing that gets cut in bad times? He says, it's learning and development, right? You know, we gotta slash that, we're gonna, he says, but everybody's gonna be doing that. Let's have our people by the end of this pandemic or the end of the uh, last recession, I should say, in 08, 09, 09, be more trained, more developed. So he says, we spent more money on that. Now, the other thing they did, he says, we need more gratitude, not less. And he says, because I realized my managers probably didn't really know how to do this effectively. I gathered my managers together and we trained them all on how you express gratitude. We have seven core values and they're all kind of fun, crazy stuff like WD-40 is. He says, so we began teaching them how to be specific in their recognition, how to, how to actually help those people who aren't being, you know, you're not being very grateful to, maybe they're not your top performers, how you get them to, to be challenged and grow, et cetera. So a great success story. By the end, by 2010, they'd not only achieved their highest financials in their entire 57 year history, but they also, and you won't believe this number, but it's absolutely true. That's why we, it's, it's documented in the book. They had a 99% employee engagement score. People would walk through fire for Gary Ridge and his senior leadership team because they cared during the worst of times. So, and, and unfortunately I'm seeing so much of the opposite in, in the world right now where we're, we're being, you know, we're being divisive, we're pushing people away, we're, we're not creating this kind of unity and investing in our people in the hard times. It's a good point. It's a really good point. And, and I guess, you know, I guess w once this, I suppose, madness is over, because I guess it is kind of madness and who knows what a normality really looks like anymore, is I guess the strong leaders will really be recognized once this is all passed, right? And then that comes back to our book, All In, which was on mm -hmm. cultures, but it was, it was written during, again, the last of the Great Recession. Willis Towers Watson did this research for us to, to write All In. We had a database of 300,000 people in some of the world's most high, highest producing and productive uh, cultures during that Great Recession. So, and what we wanted to do is wanted to find out what these organizations did differently than their peers during the worst of the times. And none of it was around strategy, none of it was around debt consolidation or, you know, it doesn't mean they didn't have a good strategy, but it was no different than, than the peers. What they really did differently were cultural elements. They engaged their people. They also though enabled their people to make decisions, to reach, especially to serve their customers and to do those disruptive kinds of things that made their organizations better. They also energized their people. And which is really important is keeping energy levels high, especially during you know, a pandemic, a crisis, et cetera. 
you got to keep people motivated and, and built up. And so it comes back to, you know, so many managers go, look, I'm busy. I'm trying to get my own deliverables done. I don't have time to motivate people. If they burn out, they burn out. They're on their own type of feeling. And, and that's, not what, that's not what leadership is about. Leadership is, especially in crisis times, inspiring people and lifting them. I know that maybe some leaders are listening to this podcast right now and they might be casting judgments about how they are as a, as a leader, right? And they might be thinking to themselves, well, I don't do what Adrian's telling me. You know, I don't share gratitude. I don't know how to recognize people. I don't know how to appreciate people. Where do people need to make improvements and where do people need to start? Yeah, and it's a, it's a good question because we all do that, right? We, we listen to something like this, we'll read a book, we'll read an article and we'll go, oh yeah, maybe I'm not as good at that. And we tend to, we tend to put it off. We tend to forget in many cases. Um, this is actually something that's, when we go into an organization, sometimes Chester and I will go in and we'll work with a big organization and, and we'll work on their employee engagement scores, trying to move them up, we'll work on their culture. And what we typically say is there's some low hanging fruit that's really easy to pick, that can make things better immediately. Now, one of them, that's not the only one. There are other ideas like, you know, involving people in decision-making, et cetera. But the, one of the easy things to pick is, is gratitude because it is something that we can remind ourselves. You know, maybe it's once a week in, in your staff meeting is to begin that staff meeting with, with gratitude. What, who, you know, who's done something great? Um, one of our one of our favorite leaders is a guy named Bill Manning, who has turned around the Toronto FC uh, football soccer team in uh, in the Major League Soccer uh, uh, in uh, in Toronto, and and they've actually won the Major League Soccer Championship, and so he's done quite a remarkable in the, in just the three four years he's been there. And one of the things that he does in a, in, a, in a soccer team, in a football team, there's typically not a lot of full-time employees. Most of them are part-timers who come in. He says, so every week I meet with my full-time employees. And he says, we've got 60 of them. And he says, I start every meeting with, with recognition. I give out a, a $200 gift certificate to a nice, um, to a nice uh, uh, clothier here in, in Toronto. And he says, but what I, do, I don't do is I say, oh, don't say, oh, Adam, you did a great. No, he says, it's not about me. I will say, Adam, who are you going to recognize today? And it has to be somebody in another team. So maybe you work in sales and you go, oh, okay, well, I'd like to recognize Aaron, who's in accounting. Because whenever I sell a season ticket package, Aaron gets on the phone and boy, he is so great with my customers. He makes them feel so excited about getting the season ticket package. I'd like to recognize Aaron. So Aaron comes up and we recognize him. He says, so everybody comes in to this meeting thinking about somebody in another team that they'd like to recognize. He says, it's broken down the walls, the silos. So again, it doesn't have to be hard. Just think of the things that will work in your team that will help create this, this, this tradition, this, this regular cadence of, of gratitude. You know, I was going to say there was, there's a lot of our listeners are also um, smaller business owners, right? Which make up a, you know, make up a huge number in the uh, US and, and economies around the world, um, you know, entrepreneurs. And they're all thinking right now, well, I think one of the biggest things that I see, you know, is that they really struggle to attract top talent, you know? Um, I don't know if you recognize this, and especially when you're doing your research with uh, Willis Towers Watson and, and with Chester and, and around the world. 
do you find that um, they have, they, there's a reason why they can't attract talent? Is it because of the culture? Or is it because of mm. gratitude and appreciation? Love you know what your thoughts are on that. No, that's interesting too. And and by the way, I was, I think it was last November, I was in Stockholm and, and, uh, and so, yeah, I did get a chance to, you know, wander around, but also get a chance to meet a lot of entrepreneurs, a lot of people who are, who are building, I don't know your, your podcast is worldwide, but, uh, so it was really interesting working with, uh, with a group there. And I stood on the, I presented from the stage that the Beatles played on back in the 1960s. You know, you probably know the, the, uh, the, the uh, where, where they played, but, um, so it was really great. And I, and I love the, uh, the Swedish people and how, how tactful they are and how, how smart they are. Um, and one of the things we really talked about was that idea of, yeah, how you, how you do attract and retain the best people. And this comes back to that idea of job security we were talking about before, that we have an entire generation of people, no matter whether, again, you're in Stockholm or you're in Seattle, you got entire generations now with Gen Z and millennials coming into the workplace and in the workplace who think very differently. And as leaders, we tend to put our own you know, rose-colored glasses on and think everybody's like us. Well, you know, I'm motivated by, you know, my, my bonus structure because, you know, and maybe you are, because maybe it's a big amount of money you get at the end of the year, right? So what we have to do is realize our people are motivated by very, very different things. And wage stagnation is a real thing around the world, especially for young people. They do not feel like they are, they're able to meet life's uh, quotas. You know, we all have these quotas, you know, buying a house or or, you know, getting a good job or, or having children, et cetera. And, and right now, there's entire generations coming into the workplace that don't feel like they're being paid adequately to accomplish those. Benefits are being pulled back. Uh, they have this feeling that corporations are these heartless monsters because they've seen mom and dad being laid off from those corporations with no thought. And they're saying, okay, all of a sudden, you now want me to trust your organization? You want me to to invest my best work? No, no, no. You get eight hours and then I go home. Um, and it's so a different type of thinking. Now, I'm not saying it's irretrievable, but if you really want to bring great talent in, you have to start thinking in a very different way. Um, you've got to be aware of, we've got anywhere from 20 to 40% of people who have clinical mental health issues nowadays, because, and a lot of it because of this pandemic, but even before that, you've got to be willing to say, People mean, may need have mental health days now and then. And, you know, working people six days a week, 12 hours a day is not going to work anymore. So we've got to be very aware of that. We've got to give people a voice because young people have had a voice in everything. They've gone to school and they've been told, challenge the status quo. You know, when I went, I was, you know, until I was 10, I was in the English uh, schooling system. You didn't speak, you know, you didn't raise your voice, you didn't raise your hand. You were, we were told what to learn, right? And, uh, you know, you being British, know the, know the drill. And it wasn't until much later, and I, I, you know, come to America, and all of a sudden, you're told to challenge the status quo. Well, you know, that's how this generation has been brought up. So I want my voice to be heard. I need some job security. I need to, to have an environment where, I, where you will be, I can be vulnerable and tell you if I'm feeling stressed and overwhelmed. And yet we still have this old mentality of, look, I'm paying you, you know, buck up. Uh, you know, it's, it's my way or the highway, all these silly kind of thinking and that's got to change. So if we're looking to hire and develop, especially knowledge workers, we have to think in a very different way to be more empathetic, 
more compassionate and allow a lot more voice in our businesses. So it's a new way of thinking. That's a, I, I think you've given some really great golden nuggets and, and food for thought more than anything else. Um, I guess my, my next question is all around, what do you think are, I, you know, I mean, because you've been in this arena for such a long time. What do you think are, I suppose, some of the most common mistakes that a lot of organizations or maybe misconceptions that they think of what gratitude, appreciation and recognition is and, and what it really is in practice? Well, we spent about the first third of the book talking about these gratitude myths, and they really are real things that people think. And, and like, for example, the first one is, um, is that it's better to lead by fear. Now, absolutely no manager in the history of managing for the last 20 years has thought they be, or believed that they are a fear-based manager. Oh, no, no, my people love me. They get, and yet we found about a third of managers are seen by their employees as fear-based. You know, maybe they're not yelling and screaming at people, but they'll do things like, now, Adam, I can't protect your job if you don't hit your goals this quarter, or things like that. They do these little subtle things. Or maybe they're insecure themselves, so they're threatened by their employees. You know, I don't want to give credit because, you know, it's, it's going to make me look bad. There are so many subtle ways we, we spread seeds of fear in an organization that can be really detrimental to productivity and profitability. Um, there's other ideas too that we see that, that keep people from doing this. Like, I just don't have time. Um, you know, I'm so busy. I'm trying to hit my own goals. What we found though, is that the best managers in our studies, those who have the highest productivity, the highest employee engagement scores, the highest customer satisfaction scores, typically only spend about an hour a week on being grateful to their employees. This isn't a huge amount of time in a 50 hour typical manager's week. It's about 2% of their time. And yet they had higher levels of all those good things we're looking for. So this doesn't have to take an inordinate, an inordinate amount of time. Um, another one too that we hear a lot is, uh, and again, it's sort of a generational thing, but yeah, this new generation, they just need all these pats on the back and all this thank yous. You know, my generation, we didn't need that. You know, my boss maybe told me I was doing a good job once a year and that was great. I, I'd live on that for a year. Um, you know, if you think that way today, your people are going to leave you. They're just not going to put up with it. You know, this is a generation that's grown up with a lot of, of, of gratitude. Now, the point is, we have to remember, they, didn't, they don't just use gratitude as the, all these hollow thank yous. Nobody wants that. And they will tell you, no, don't bother just telling me what a great job I'm doing if it's not real. What gratitude does for me is allows me to know if I'm on the right path. Because if you're not giving it to me, I'm going to assume I'm on the wrong path because I've gotten so much of it in my life. So that's really an important reminder for us. If I'm not getting it, I'm assuming I'm on the wrong path. So, but if I get it, it allows me to know, good, okay, what I'm doing is valued, great, I'll keep doing this. So it's, it's a different way in thinking for leaders that we need to put into place. Um, I know we've mentioned him already in our talk, your good friend and also business partner, Chester Elton, um, who, uh, who, yeah, who's that strange guy? Never, never heard of him. <laughs> and he, and actually, he, Chester is just an avatar we, we developed. Um, he is actually not real. So, no. I'm, <laughs> I'm sure he's listening to this, by the way. I'm, I'm he never sure would listen this far into uh, a podcast. Come on, he hasn't got that hell no attention. <laughs> Definitely not. But um, I was going to say, I know that um, when I was speaking to him, actually prior to the Game Changer Summit, which is a summit that we did uh, a few months back, um, 
he told me his side of the story about how you guys got introduced, but I'd love to get what your, what your side of the story is yeah. and how you ended up getting connected. Well, and Chester and I, we've been not only uh, best of friends, but also partners for 20 years. And, and it's been a remarkable relationship because uh, Chester is, as you've met, gregarious and outgoing. He is, he is the epitome of an extrovert. Me, I love working in my office, crunching down. I'm more of an introvert. And we, we become a great partnership because we, we build on each other's strengths and, and, and areas of opportunities to grow, et cetera. So 20 years ago or so, I, was, uh, I just got hired as, a, as a, an executive uh, with a uh, kind of a consulting company that did recognition awards and engagement solutions. And uh, one of my employees in, in my team, I, I ran a marketing group, and one of my employees, we were going to the big uh, sales conference. He says, oh, you got to meet this guy named Chester Elton. He'll change your life. And uh, boy, was he uh, ever fortuitous. Uh, so I meet this, uh, this Chester guy, and he's got this idea for a book. He says, no, I don't want to write it. Uh, he says, um, but, but you're a writer, so why don't you write this thing? And we'll slap our names on it, and we'll, and we'll, we had no idea what we were doing. But he just knew that he'd gone into different organizations, and he'd love to use this as a business card. This is our philosophy. Um, and so we had no idea what we were doing. We went and found a, uh, a local publisher. We met on their park bench. Um, they, were, they were in a barn. So it was like really a small little publisher had done uh, one business book in their whole history. They were known for, uh, you know, uh, interior design books, but we didn't know what we didn't know. And we ended up uh, publishing it and, uh, and it did actually really well. Uh, they sold like 40,000 copies, which we had no idea. We thought, well, that's, and then people said, no, no, that's a huge hit for a business book. And then we uh, wrote a book. They, they came back and said, what else you got? And we went, well, we thought that was just it. We were just doing this to help promote our business and help build it. And they said, no, no, no. And so we actually started then becoming researchers and writers and, and actually putting some more thought and effort into, into, this, into this and really creating some content that from all the consulting that we'd started doing and really putting in, you know, a lot more, you know, a lot more sort of thought into where we could take this that would help organizations. So we began writing a series of books that were really inspired by a lot of the, the clients we were working with. And a lot of the data that we were finding, we began finding some really good data partners that would give us these access to these huge databases that we could start getting into and start crunching and figuring out really what did engage people. So the question is, Adam, does that line up at all with what Chester told you? Well, <laughs> kind of. I mean, something about um, Chester said that he uh, was introduced to you by his old boss that he used to work for. Mm-hmm. Um, and I can't remember his name because he, he yeah, Kent Murdoch. That's yeah. right, Kent. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. yeah, I think that was what, yeah, because Kent, the CEO, told him, Hey, he called Chester one day and said, I just hired this writer. You have this book idea. You guys should. So, but I had no idea. Kent never told me about that. Uh, so yeah, we were. <laughs> so it's funny. It's love it. I love it. I love it. Um, what's going to say? Um, what are your, um, what do you work? Cause I know that you've just written a number of, uh, two new books actually and, and things, but what do you, what is the, what is the future for Adrian and Chester and, and the culture works? We're, we're, we've, as I mentioned, this book leading with gratitude came out in March. So we're, we're doing a lot of, uh, work with this developing, uh, training and, and working with this in organizations um, because as I say, during the toughest times, this is the times where we do need to, to value our employees even more, use those simple things. So this costs little or nothing, and it's an easy way to get people more engaged during tough times. 
Now, then we're moving on to an idea around increasing anxiety levels and mental health issues in the workplace and how to turn that into more positive, how to build a more resilient workplace. And this is something we're working on that will come out in early 2021, which we think that the timing is, is, is much needed that uh, with, with all that we're suffering through our people, how do we build up more resilient resilience and mental strength in our, in our employees? Love it. And, and if you need any help with uh, connections wise, I'd, you know, I'd love to help out and things like that. So love that mission, by the way, it's fantastic. Cause I know that we're seeing, I suppose, a tsunami of, uh, of, of mental health around the world, which is sad to see, but I guess we're only human at the end of the day. Right. Exactly. So, exactly. Um, and there's such a stigma around it that mm. uh, the latest stats I showed said nine out of 10 employees would not feel comfortable coming to their boss with with an issue like that. That's great. So in most cases, they either burn out or ghost or, you know, or, or just, you know, end up keep coming in, but they're not doing their best work for you. Absolutely. Um, I guess my last question, which is a really good one from my perspective, but what are you grateful for in life? Well, I'm grateful for, um, you know, first off, the, the, the leaders that we do get to work with who, who, who really do bring to bear some of our work. We're, we're theoretical, you know, I remember Einstein reading a book on Einstein. He was a theoretical physicist, right? Um, so he just, you know, came up with ideas and then other people would test them out. You know, we're no Einstein by any means, but we, we're a theoretical leadership because we do run a little company, but really the ideas that get put into play, we come up with and we, and we, we cull from research and, but then there are real leaders out there who put them into, into play. And so that's what's really fun to hear is you hear back from those leaders who use some of our ideas and, and, and you know, send us a message saying, hey, this really did work. You know, I'm grateful for a good partner like, like Chester, who's, uh, you know, who brings life and, and energy to our, to our partnership. And of course, for my family, who, who are my, my strength in this tough time. Um, so, you know, it's nice to have things to be grateful for and to remember those as we go forward. Awesome. Uh, that's really good. And I, and guys, listen, I hope that you, you're getting a lot of great golden nuggets and great advice from Adrian. Cause I mean, I literally, I've been writing notes on my notebook in front of me. So, uh, and I'm going to certainly take some of the concepts and the insights that we've learned from today's show and, and put it in my own uh, business. So, I just want to say thank you so much, Adrian, for, for today and really enjoyed it. I hope you enjoyed it too. I did. Thanks, Adam. No, this is great fun. And yeah, please call anytime. And we'll, I wish you the best of luck in, in building your, uh, your podcast world too. Thanks for all you're doing to help people. Yeah, I really, really appreciate it. And, and that's what I love about Adrian and people like Adrian and Chester is that they, you know, they come from a place of serving and helping people. And that's what the podcast is about, guys. Um, just out of um, curiosity, Adrian, how, um, how can people get hold of your uh, new book? Uh, Leading with Gratitude is sold wherever fine books are sold, um, on Amazon or, or wherever, you know, you buy books around the world or you're listening in. Uh, you can also find out a little bit more about us at leadingwithgratitudebook.com, which has lots of giveaways and there's lots of fun things. If you buy the book, you actually get lots of free stuff there. So, give, you know, find out about that. And, uh, and thanks again, Adam, for having me on today. Awesome. Very cool, guys. So listen, if you, um, I hope you've enjoyed today's show, by the way, and you've got some great insights. Um, if you want to connect with Adrian, please use the links below and just mention the Game Changers Experience podcast so he knows who you've been coming from and just from reference. And I'm sure that in due kind, he will respond. So guys, 
Hope you've enjoyed today's show and uh, have a fantastic day and we'll see you on the next Game Changers experience. See you soon. Bye-bye. Hey, you guys, I just want to say thank you so much for listening in to this episode of the Game Changers experience. I hope that you got some amazing value, some great insights and golden nuggets that you can implement into your business straight away. I would really, really appreciate it if you could leave a five-star review on the button below. Have a fantastic day and we'll see you on the next episode. Take care.